Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Dude, is there anything worse than the Sunday between the AFC and NFC Championship games and the Super Bowl? Like the Pro Bowl? Like they don't even want those guys like making contact with each other because rightfully so in case they get hurt. So they're just doing like flag football and tug of war. Dude, I'm not going to tune in fucking tug of war from Orlando at 3 p.m. on a Sunday. Hard pass, dog. I mean, I guess it was technically on my TV, but I didn't see it. I didn't watch. Okay. I turned away. As soon as I saw that fucking rope, man, I turned away. What's up, you Johns? Welcome to the vainly titled Danny Palmer Show. <laughs> Seems like the numbers in the old pod, John, are picking up a bit. So that's nice to see. After Apple Podcasts fucked everybody with the algorithm, looks like things might be turning around a little bit. So that's good to know. Uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram, I'm at Danny Palmer NYC. I also run a weekly stand-up show at uh, Black Hat LES in the Lower East Side in New York City every Friday night at 9 p.m. And that show has its own Instagram handle, too, at Black Hat Comedy. You can scroll through the account and see, like, years of pictures of the show. It's a long-running thing. It's cool. So, okay. I've done some promotional things right there. Oh, and the Danny Palmer show is also on, on Instagram. No one cares, hon. No one cares here. You walk through your three Instagram handles. All right, baby. That may be true, but... I'm wearing some very tight, I mean, <laughs> some very thick woolen clothes tonight because you've turned me off with your relentless marketing approach that has little to no effect on your listeners. All right, hon. Wow, her voice really impacts my voice for some reason. Um, Lainey, thank you for listening. I just address my listeners directly. Lainey's a great listener out in like Oklahoma or some shit, some state that I haven't been to. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll definitely come by sometime. Um, she goes, I'm binge listening again to the pod. Not, not sure how I fell behind, but never quit doing your pod exclamation point. It is weird though, because I'm sure your listeners feel like they know you, but you don't know us kind of funny. I was like, yeah, thank you so much. That is true. You know, like doing a podcast is like the world's most selfish friendship. I talk into a microphone. You listen to my ideas and then just fucking go about your day. I'm not going to hear don't dude, Don't fucking try to like, you know, message me with like, minutia of of thing items they were out of at the grocery store i don't give a fuck dude just listen to my shit okay i'm important <laughs> just kidding just kidding no i, I appreciate this podcast because i actually have gotten to know some people through it maybe even made out a couple times what do you think about that what do you think about that that silence was intentional hold on i gotta take my sweater off it's getting hot I'm recording this on the Monday night before it comes out on Wednesday because tomorrow night, Tuesday, which if you're listening to this on Wednesday, would be yesterday. <laughs> I'm doing a show at Rodney's, which there used to be this club, Dangerfields, in New York City, and then it closed. And when it closed, they were like, look, we're closing, pandemic and stuff, but we're going to open somewhere else, a new, new location at some point. And I think everybody's just like, okay, yeah, we'll see when that happens. But they did reopen in the same spot, and it was called Dangerfields, and now it's called Rodney's. I guess there was some sort of like legal issue with rodney dangerfield's estate and they had to change it to his first name but i've seen the what the room looks like on um, instagram it looks pretty cool i mean new york city comedy is like it's a blessing and a curse in so many ways like it's it's a curse because you can get in somewhere and then the booker changes or the club closes down or the venue the you know the the landlord of the bar or restaurant that the show is at closes down the bar or restaurant then the show's done too but on the flip side, there's always things coming open too. And there's new things. There's new comedy clubs. There's like 
there's like two new ones in Brooklyn. I don't know. Anyways, it's cool because it's kind of cool because there's a lot of stuff you got to keep track of, but it kinda, it's kind of shitty because then the, the, all the stuff you keep track of, like 20% of it closes down. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's the case with many industries. Okay. Dua Lipa opening the Grammy Awards on Sunday. Pretty badass. I mean, you got to tip your cap to the girl. She opened the Grammys with the title track off her new album. I think that's coming out next week. Did like a medley, three songs, crushed it, looked hot. She was on this like scaffolding thing that like moved around. I was like, be careful, Dua. I don't want you to fall down from those heights. We must protect you. I really feel like Dua Lipa is so important to society. Like I actually don't want her performing at concerts anymore. (laughs) I feel like she should be kept in like an underground bunker in like Utah or something. (laughs) Just, I mean, you know, with her, uh, I want her to be on board with being kept in the bunker. But it's for her, it's for her own protection and safety. She can record, and maybe she'll have more time to, you know, put out more albums more frequently because she's ensconced in this protective bunker. I don't want I don't want her out in public. You know, who was that lady, Selena, or somebody else that was like, I don't even want to say. She was signing autographs. Some fan just shot. Like, I, huh, huh. We must protect her at all costs. Okay, she's an Albanian princess. All right, let's do. Okay, hon, just do your content. Stop jerking off to do a leap. All right, all right, I will. Yeah, I was down in New Orleans, and my friend Clay was uh, talking talking shit about me on the group text, our college buddy group text, as he so often does, saying that I only spent like 20 seconds talking about the fact that I was hanging out with my college buddies, and like five minutes talking about, I don't know, something else about New Orleans. Oh, yeah, making fun of my friends. Dude, they went to the World War II Museum before noon. What? Who's going to witness mass carnage before noon? I'm not saying don't go to the World War II Museum. I'm saying ease into your day, dude. What the fuck, bro? (laughs) And Clay, wait, what was the point of the story about Clay? Oh, yeah. So he made a comment about um, my behavior, which is my behavior, as you may know or or may expect, is always correct. My approach to life has been winnowed down through, you know, 48 years of just a stone carver's anvil hitting a diamond and and now it's at the most pure beautiful <laughs> way of living diamond so like however i live my life that's the diamond you should aspire to too and okay so this is how clay makes fun of me he goes when we were in uh, new orleans can we go someplace that has a ton of bars but as soon as we sit down we have to start looking for the next bar because we can never find the perfect vibe quote unquote yeah correct you know if you're in a place with new orleans with a lot of cool spots why would you sit in one if it's whack dude Let's get the fuck out of there. Thank you. I try to uh, I try to watch a wide range of uh, stand up comedy acts, um, and on Netflix or like Amazon Prime or wherever. You know, I, I I know that some comedians don't like to watch other performers stand up because they think it might like influence their act or they might inadvertently like steal a joke or a premise. But I don't find that to be the case at all. I just like to learn about people's lives, and I feel like it's doing homework. Like if you're a comic and you're watching specials. You're watching people that have demonstrably succeeded in the art form to a level that I haven't because they have like Netflix specials. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's very educational and it's fun and it makes me laugh and I learn about people and it's neat. So this Jack Whitehall guy, and I like watching sometimes stand up from other countries because, you know, stand up like jazz was formed, founded, created in the United States. But it's cool to see like the Brits obviously are great at it. You got a fucking Ricky Gervais and... What's that guy who turned into a woman? Fucking blah, blah, blah. You got that dude, you know? That lady, I forget. Uh, something. Eh, who cares? I'll put it in the, in the notes of the 
episode. No, I won't. No one gives a fuck. Anyways, Jack Whitehall uh, had a special. I thought he was pretty good. He um, this is they had some newspaper article about some like he went to this like really wealthy boarding school in England that a lot of like royalty and like famous actors went to. And then apparently there was some like teacher at the school or something that was like a pedophile. And they were like, this newspaper article was recounting this like pedophiles story. And they also mentioned esteemed alums like Jack Whitehall that went to the school. And they had this two pictures side by side, one of the pedophile and then one of Jack Whitehall. And then it said depraved pervert left. <laughs> Just so you could distinguish between Jack Whitehall comedian and the depraved pervert. Also, I feel like in England, the newspaper headlines are a bit more aggressive than they are in the U.S. Like, I don't think in the United States, most papers would put depraved pervert. It's kind of a great phrase. Maybe I should make this the episode title. Not doing that. Not doing that. And I also watched, um, started rewatching Chris Rock's uh, Tambourine, the extended cut. I'm like, do I really want to watch the extended cut? Because if you've seen it, he released this original one like a year or two ago. And then there's an extended cut. And I'm like, well, if I watch the extended cut, how much of it is going to be new? I don't want to sit through jokes I've already heard. But, you know, you, you forget. It all goes away. Anyways. Anyways, he was talking about um, he went to see he went to the White House and he was in a one on one conversation with Michelle Obama. And she was talking about like, oh, I just know how things are going to go. And I'm concerned about this and that. And his Chris Rock's response to her was, you'll be all right. She goes, no, dude, I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about the country. <laughs> I love that. Is it, are you allowed to do that for content on a podcast? Just recount a comedian's joke that you liked on their special? I think you are. All I'm doing is encouraging you to go watch it. You know, I can't certainly can't use that story. There's not a person on the planet that's going to believe me that I had a one-on-one conversation with Michelle Obama at the White House. Were you the fucking gardener? No, you aren't, Danny. Fuck you, dude. I did a, uh, I did a show at Tribeca Comedy Lounge last Saturday. And Dan Lamort, he's a really funny comic. He was on it, too. And I, I don't know, dude, I've just been in New York for 16 years now. It's like, it's just funny. Not even like if you're a comedian, but just like in your life in general, like the amount of experiences that you have over the course of your life. And then you see somebody and they're like, Hey, remember like 11 years ago when you did X and you're like, no, I do not remember that dude. Dan was telling me there was a show at village lantern, um, in Greenwich village, which now it's called comedy shop. Um, apparently there was these, these like drunken tourists there and they're like sports fans and I couldn't, nobody, no comic could get the audience to shut up. And apparently I took my shirt off and he, Dan might have a picture of that somewhere. I'm like, I don't even remember. I have no recollection of that. I mean, maybe slightly, but like, it's just weird when people walk up to you and you're like, Hey, do you want to hear something that happened in your life that you don't really know about? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what I do? What I do? Fill me in Uh quick quote from Mike Tyson. You've probably heard this before. I don't know. How would I know what quotes you've heard and what quotes you haven't? I don't even know which listener I'm speaking to. Uh, Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That quote comes up so often. Or like, it's applicable in so many different scenarios. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a plan to get punched in the fucking face, dude. Okay, that's the end of that quote. That was a pretty short little tidbit there. I love... uh, I would recommend this to you, too. I mean, just... I give ChatGPT lots of information about my life. I'm always asking it for advice. You can even ask it to, like, compliment you. You can... Give, I did this last weekend. It was actually pretty meaningful. You can give ChatGPT be like, okay, what what is the top three to four things you've accomplished in your life in the past five to 10 years? Tell ChatGPT those things and then ask it to compliment you. And it comes up with some pretty like insightful stuff that maybe you didn't 
think of and that wasn't part of your initial query or the information that you gave to chat gpt which is like kind of interesting i think it's alive dude chat gpt is alive and it's gonna fuck us i didn't say kill i said <laughs> that's sex stuff dude perfect yeah, like I like to compare like life situations and get ChatGPT's thought. Like a, a recent uh, query I gave it, who has the better life, me at 48 and single or a friend of mine who's 36 who's foot tied down? I guess I'm, it's kind of a leading question then. ChatGPT said, comparing life satisfaction based on a relationship status is subjective and varies for each individual. Both being single at 48 and being in a committed relationship, more polite way to put it, at 36 have their unique advantages and challenges. It's essential to focus on your personal fulfillment, goals, and happiness rather than making direct comparisons, which is true and accurate. My company has this uh, mental health vendor, Lyra. You can actually like look up some of their articles online for free. Um, and one thing that uh, they talk about a lot is thinking traps. If you type in Lyra, L-Y-R-A, thinking traps article in Google, you can pull up this article. It has like a ton of useful information. Like One of the things that I do all the time is catastrophizing which I didn't think that I was doing that because it sounds like kind of chicken little and like overly dramatic and out of touch with reality. But oh yeah, oh no, I definitely do it. You know, like you're laying down to go to sleep. You're like, oh, what if somebody just breaks in here and shoots me in the head, which could happen. (laughs) I mean, it can't be ruled out, but just to constantly be doing that and constantly creating these scenarios of the perceptions that your friends have of you that is very likely inaccurate, like it's not healthy to do that. So now that I'm aware of it, I think every time it happens and I'm like, oh, that's catastrophizing. And then it can hopefully help to wean the hold that that negative behavioral pattern has over your life, you know? So that's fun. I'm helping people. Oh, you're a real saint in this podcast, hon. Why don't you fucking rent a, rent a puppy? Why don't you fucking adopt a puppy if you're so magnanimous? I'm, I'm not, we're not allowed to have pets in this building, okay? Otherwise, I would. No, you wouldn't. I like puppies. They're just, they're just a lot of work. It's three floors up, dude, you know? Like if I had a backyard, maybe I can walk down three flights of stairs and just pick up this dog shit on a fucking grimy village street. I'm I'm not, I'm good on doing that six times a day, dog. I meant D A W J. Okay, that's the end of that. And then another thing I asked ChatGPT to do over the weekend was to give me some like five notable. I was like, what are the five best sentences? <laughs> sentences written by Ernest Hemingway. I guess I should say quotes. Because selecting the best sentences is subjective. But here are five notable ones from Ernest Hemingway. Number one, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, some are strong at the broken places. That's from A Farewell to Arms. That's pretty sick, dude. Courage is grace under pressure. That's from The Old Man in the Sea. It seems like something that you would have known about before then, you know? Maybe not. Or that would have been written before that book. But okay. Uh, But life isn't hard to manage when you've nothing to lose. That's from A Farewell to Arms. Huh. That one sounds like maybe, I guess if you don't have anything to lose, then you stop caring and then you're more likely to like commit suicide or make bad decisions. So that means it is good to have things to lose, which I guess it's kind of common sense. Is that really number three, dude? Number four is there is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. Ooh, really? I mean, do you think that uh, comedians should really spill their guts and, and their souls when they perform or just like do like surface level fun stuff i kind of like surface level fun stuff maybe a mix it doesn't matter honey what are you doing this isn't even what you're just speculating about some weird thing in your head and saying it into mic. yes i am this is content this is stellar content that literally hundreds of people have listened to over the course of the past four years in over a thousand cities isn't that crazy 
over a thousand cities of people listen to this. So thank you. X city and X place, Bavaria, apparently Bavaria, Germany. I'm rambling. Number five on the Hemingway quotes. The only thing that could spoil a day was people. People were always the limiters of happiness, except for the very few that were as good as spring itself. Ooh, that's from a movable feast, which I started to read and did not complete, but I would like to complete reading it. Do you have plans like when you get towards the end of your life, when you're old to like, that's when you're going to read all the good books. I feel like I I say that I'm going to do that, but then I think when the time comes, I'm just going to be like scrolling through my phone on whatever app has replaced Instagram, you know, like, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I want to, it sounds kind of sick. Oh, I guess I'm just interspersing fun or funny quotes throughout this episode. But my other, um, my favorite quote from 30 rock was when, uh, Jack who's played by Alec Baldwin murderer, when he was talking to, uh, Liz Lemon and he goes, dinner plans, Liz, don't forget your book. Oh, I love that. I love short burns like that. That's sick. Oh, also I did this. Um, I heard this survey on the, uh, on a podcast this past week. They found out that 70% of married women have a backup boyfriend in mind already. If shit hits the fan in their current relationship. Now, I don't know if that's like universally true across all women across the United States, across the world or whatever. But the fact that that one survey, it was at 70%, uh, which makes me, brings me to my next point. <laughs> I asked ChatGPT, like, how can I be less picky when it comes to women? And its response was, being open-minded is key. Reflect on what truly matters to you in a partner, focus on shared values, and try to appreciate diverse qualities. It's important to recognize that perfection is subjective, fair, and embracing imperfections can lead to more meaningful connections. Ooh, I like that. So basically, you'll just embrace these imperfections, have these deep, meaningful connections, and then late at night after you fall asleep, she'll be texting your backup boyfriend or DMing him on Instagram, which I have that situation with the girl who I'm... Too much information, Danny. Okay, I'm just going to let a little mystery. Bet you didn't think there was going to be a mystery at minute 18 of this week's app, did you? Well, there is. It's mysterious. Okay, one more fun little quote, and then um, I got a couple nice, two inspiring things, and we'll call it a fucking John, dude. This is a quote from David Lee Roth. He said, I used to jog, but the ice cubes kept falling out of my glass. That's solid, dude. That's a solid, funny quote. That seems very like Yogi Berra-ish, if Yogi Berra was a goddamn boo sound kid. Um, And then my uh, favorite uh, Farnham Street newsletter. It's like this intellectual newsletter I talk about all the time in this pod. Um, So good. They had a little snippet this past weekend about how the north there's a famous quote i guess in scandinavia that the north wind has made the vikings that the vikings were such a dominant force because of the intensity of the north wind it's like the the sandstone what is it the winds in the desert shape the sandstone like the difficulty is what makes greatness i love that kind of stuff i know that the vikings were bad and they did a lot of bad things so maybe the north wind should have just fucking cooled it a bit dude you know Maybe just go down to a mild breeze and there'll be less uh, harm in the world, you fucking north wind jackass. <laughs> and then the Grammys run this past Sunday. There's a couple of really good quotes. I think one... Oh, yeah. You know what? Hold on. I'm going to find both of the quotes and we'll wrap with that. Okay. I thought these were both like telling things about like motivation and inspiration and values, goals, like why you're doing what you're doing. Jay-Z, when he was on stage, he said he was giving advice to other singers and artists, I guess. And he goes, forget the Grammys. Just keep showing up. Love that. You know, because that's what you got to do in New York comedy. He's got to fucking grind, grind, grind. Is it going to pay off? Will this podcast ever blow up? No one knows. 
But according to Jay-Z, just keep showing up. Zach McGovern, former co-host of this podcast, would be like, yeah, but he's Jay-Z and you're not Jay-Z. He would just like find a negative way to, to parse that out. And I'm like, eh, well, whatever. Maybe we're Jay-Z in the future, dude. Okay. <laughs> and then Taylor Swift, when she accepted an award, she said, I would love to tell you that this is the best moment of my life. She said when accepting the award, but I feel this happy, but I feel this happy when I finish a song or when I crack the code to a bridge that I love. She said and added for me, the reward is the work. The reward is the work. I don't even want this podcast to blow up. The work of doing it is the reward. I'm not going to go that far. I would much rather be paid for this. All right. Thank you for listening at Danny Palmer NYC and Instagram black hat LES every Friday. Uh, well, I'm at Rodney's comedy club in the past. <laughs> Stop by that one. I'll keep you posted on other shit. Okay, everything's fine. Thank you for listening. I appreciate y'all. And uh, as is my won't, I'm going to sign off by uh, whispering the word.